everybody it's four o'clock on a sunday thanks for tuning in to mutinyradio.fm this is safe sets just the auto podcast time hits here but i'm here i'm pam benjamin i'm here to hang out on a sunday with you we're gonna get a call from comedian poet man about town personage amazing human being aaron atkins out of his secluded bunker in new mexico in the desert Exciting. We're going we're gonna to talk about some poetry. I believe he's queued up some rap lyrics that we're going to discuss. Uh, I, I really I enjoy – he and I have been talking on the internets together since he was here at the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, the fifth annual. What a gem he was to me. And so many great comedians that I had the opportunity to spend time with and do podcasts and meet them and learn about them. And he continues to call in to Mutiny Radio and uh, share joy and wonderment. Uh, how to, He was going to be going to Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and that's been canceled. But hey, on Wednesdays, from Glasgow, Scotland, we've been having their Literary Fringe Festival streaming live here at Mutiny Radio. So, yay! The Zoom, the COVID's just opened up the world for all of us, hasn't it? But um, it has. So, yay. If you are listening to MutinyRadio.fm and you like it, Hit the donate button. Give us money. Free speech here in San Francisco. You can always give us a call at 415-550-0511 like Aaron Atkins is going to do in just a second. You just wait. What we'll do is we'll uh, we'll play one of the songs he asked for. I love, okay, I'm I'm old lady, and I love um, all the young kids because they understand things that I, I've never heard. This is... Uh, Don Zakudlo is the first song that he wanted me to play. 
I guess we're going to discuss it after. Never heard it. Don't know what's going on. No idea about rap. I think it's rap. I see it in the video. There's a boat. So I have to assume if there's a boat that it's somehow rap oriented. All right, here we go. He's on a boat. Now there's a big, there's a pretty lady sipping something delicious. Guy walking out. Actually, I'm on my way to pick you up. Okay, great. Waiting for you. See you then. Bye. We're joined by Aaron Atkins right now. I think I chose the wrong song for you. No, no, that was it. Don, Don, Don the Kuduro, man. Oh, that's, that's it. That's it. It's the it's it's rapping in Spanish. Do you understand the Spanish? Uh, emotionally. Sweet. Well, then we'll listen I to the rest of the song and we'll come back and discuss its emotional timber here. <laughs> Yay! Aaron's here. Ahora, que todo solo 
on a boat. That was. Have you ever heard anything go so hard in your life? That was amazing. Uh, my favorite part, though, in the video was watching the one token white girl dance not yeah. as great as the other lady. That on that big ass yacht. On the big, I know they're on a boat. That, that's my, how I my, knew that it was favorite, gonna be rap. My favorite part of that music video is like when they introduce the yacht and it has like the spy, it has like the spy text come up where you know it's like the green line and it like types it out on the screen. It's like a top secret yacht location. What a great song. Yeah. What a generational banger. It's uh, it, I was dancing here in the studio. You can't not dance. You can't not. It's impossible. Shake your booty to. To the dulcet tones of, uh, where did you I, find that song, Aaron? From my upbringing in a Latino neighborhood. Oh, right. That is that song. The accordion owes everything to Don Zixaduro. When that song comes on, when that came on at YMCA camp, holy shit, holy, you stop what you're doing and you get down to that shit. I don't understand. I, I. I understand la cabeza. I heard the cabeza uh, too. I was like head. Okay, they're they're talking head. about head. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Yeah. I'm like I'm Apparently in. Apparently the lyrics, the lyrics are just like generic, like 2000s club music. It's like get moving. We're just getting started. Shake <laughs> your head. Dance to Kaduro. Donza Kuduro means dance to Kaduro. I think. So. Well. Yeah, missing much. So <laughs> the emotion is there. Right. So poetically don't necessarily have to understand the words to get the feeling. And the feeling of that was Shake Your Booty. It's Shake Your Booty, yeah. Yeah. Get down to this crazy song. And honestly, I I think it's one of the perfect songs of all time because it it transcends language in that sense because it's just a fucking banger. You know, it just bangs. And that, that accordion riff is so catchy. It's impossible to like whistle or recreate fully, so you have to listen to the songs to get satisfied. It never gets old. So the so, they keep layering it with, like, auto-tuned Spanish shit. It's just, it's so good. And it just, it goes hard from the gate. Uh, dance, dance, revolution. Uh, yes. do, I mean, that's, well, that's the thing. Does it matter? Some, I guess, po- poetry is like words and music is music. Sometimes people right. put them together, but... It doesn't require a literal understanding to communicate sure. the feeling. Oh yeah, I think that lyrics in general. I mean, you don't need to. They don't. You don't need to understand the meaning. Like, like I was talking about Bob Dylan a long while ago, where it's like, it's just is nonsense. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. It's just kind of nonsense, but it sounds great for some reason. It's just like it's like comedy, where like the word "duty" is like funny. No one knows why it's funny, but it's funny, you know. And the same emotional response is elicited from just bits of sound hella deep. And I guess in this case, it sounds hard as fuck. I have no idea what they're saying. I can push the notes. It's just, I I can mumble along. And it's Spanish. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, is there a lot of Spanish spoken right now where you are in the world? In New Mexico? I mean, it's called New Mexico. Is everybody speaking Spanish or did we just gentrify the fuck out of it? Uh, it's pretty gentrified. It's mostly old white people. I fucking oh my god! I gotta tell you something. Yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm I'm out here. I'm trying to pay my way essentially. You know, I'm helping pay for where I'm staying by like painting some houses. I'm doing some yard work, right? Yeah. And I'm doing yard work in this like in this lot for this for my neighbor. 
and I'm just, you know, cutting weeds and shit. I'm doing a good job, right? And this, these old ladies, like, you know, he's picking up, and I'm like, oh, you want to do my line next? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it for, like, ten bucks, you know? And I'm like, I make it clear, I'm like, I'm not very, I'm not doing a thorough, a deep, deep clean, you know? I'm like, I will cut down the big-ass weeds you got, and I'll haul them off. But I'm not, I'm not a professional, you know? I'm not, but like, ten bucks, I mean, day. does it take you an bucks, hour? Because right. ten bucks an hour right. is not even minimum wage, so they're getting a smoking deal. They're getting a fucking rock-ass deal. And, and you could take like, your shirt uh, off, and they could take pictures of you and masturbate to it later. My so little flap. That would be you don't even realize my love handles. I got the McDonald's logo on my side. It's <laughs> fucking... I got tough fat. I don't know how to get rid of them, but... No, but, like, that's what I said. I was like, you know, I got a pipe, and I got this weed whacker. Like, I'll cut down the big stuff, and I'll haul them off, and, like, I'll pull out as much as I can. But for the most part, like, it's just, it's kind of basic. It's just, you don't get a ticket. They'll give you a ticket if you have hella weed. Right? Of course, yeah, it's, uh... And the first lady is like, get off my property. She's so fucking livid that I didn't pull everything and break everything. I was like, 10 bucks. Yeah. She's like, I could have gotten this done for 30 And I was like, yeah, that's $20 more. Then pay someone else to do Whatever. She got super pissed at me. I told her, if I, I told her, like, she's like, the only reason I'm not doing it is because I have ads on. I'm like, then buy a fucking inhaler and do it yourself. It'll be the same price. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. And another lady across the street was like, you can do mine. And I was like, sure thing. To be clear, I want to make it abundantly clear again, because apparently it wasn't, that I'm going to be cutting, I'm just going to wax the stuff, right? Whack it down. Like, yeah, that's all I want. I just want you to wax the salt stuff down. You're, clean, like, okay. you're cleaning up the crash site. Yeah, and so I do that. I cut down her entire backyard. It's full of these big, long-ass weeds. And I cut them all down to about, you know, like probably about two inches off the ground. Yeah, like grass. Stems, you know? Like grass weeds. It's like, yeah. Like grass, you know, it's like, I mean, that's what, that's what I do, right? And then I'm like, okay, because the other lady got mad at me, and she's like, I'm going to pull them out. I'm going to try to go there responsibly, pull stuff out, try to, to get as much as I possibly can. And she doesn't even look at the work I did in the backyard. She's just like, she's all accepting. She's like, why? She doesn't even know, because apparently she thought the bush, she's senile. She thought the bushes were weeds. She wanted her whole front yard totally gone. Well, this actually sounds. wanted everything gone. This sounds like an amazing euphemism that you are like a waxer. Like I've just uh, my brain went that instead of dealing with the act the actual shrubbery, you're dealing with the oh, actual like bush. And she was getting yeah. angry. That would be a funny like <laughs> misdirected thing. I was chopping down all this old bush. Wow, <laughs> you think I, for ten <laughs> bucks they'd be happy? But no, no, they were like. No, 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 no. She said she gave me five bucks. Like, come back tomorrow and you can do the rest. I was like, all right, whatever. I come back the next day. Kind of pissed already because I'd already done, like, two hours of work by that time. So Pretend like, really, I should be getting more. But I come back, and she, you know what she says? She says you got to call the cops on me because when I left, she looked outside, and apparently someone had left trash next to her trash bin. It was like a box for an old air conditioner and some window shades next to her trash can. And she thought I did that shit. And she was like, I'm going to, like, fucking called the cops on me because she thought that I left window shades in an air conditioner box next to her trash can when I came to fucking cut weeds. I, I, and no I, good and deed I, I, I goes unpunished. No good deed. And she knows fucking, I, I had just everything in me that I'd go back and just empty out all the fucking weeds. Fuck you, pay me, dude. I don't care. Fuck you, pay me. Like, ah, uh, I, didn't, I didn't do this. I'm a great guy. I had to rant about I've been ranting about so livid. First day, I was so angry at both of them. 
and I was like, I'm putting aside the controversy, and then they just reignited my anger. Well, you're on national air. You're, national well, you're, you're, you're choosing the wrong. You're choosing the wrong place to. Um, okay, so you're doing the outside of the house. Now I say go into the inside of the house. Because when they don't pay you enough money, you go into their medicine cabinet. You get all of those old Percocets they've oh never taken. Oh my god! Yeah. Like that's the trick. Is don't do. You gotta do the outdoor for for almost free, right? So you're outdoor doing it yeah. for free, ten bucks, because you earn their trust. Oh, you earn their trust. And then you go in and clean their bathroom for $10. And they're senile anyway. They don't remember. And they shouldn't they be taking yeah. those Percocets anyway. There's no reason that they should be taking them. They're probably expired. They're not going to be good for them. You're helping them out. So they what I say, it. gain the trust. Get inside the bathroom. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I, I, I just, yes, that's what I'm saying. If you want to listen to him. That's how I actually got started on this thing. My friend's grandpa died, and he basically inherited, like, 200 pills. Yeah. And now it's like, whenever any of my friends see my grandpa, I'm like, damn. Yeah. Go in, the, <laughs> go in the shit, bathroom. Bro. Check it out. Can I use your bathroom? <laughs> it's, um, okay. it's always good to have a pharmacologist friend. Uh, I have a pharmacologist on the phone. He's been a buddy of mine since oh, yeah. college. And um, he loved drugs so much in college. He used to, he used to at 420, there was a show on called Darkwing Duck. And so back in the 90s, he would leave early in the morning. So it was like an underground thing. And we'd say like, hey, man, are we going to Darkwing Duck? And we'd all like get together and smoke. Yeah. And it was called Darkwing Ducking. Anyways, so now his name is Dr. Aaron Ginsberg. He's a real pharmacologist. He gave up drugs in the 90s because he loved them so much that he dedicated his life the study of drugs uh, and good. he's a badass and so like That's the difference between an addict and an abuser well i would the thing is i would i would text him so there was a night where there was both molly and cocaine available and i texted him and i'm like dude what happens when you do them together he's like don't do it don't do it just don't even do it it's a waste it's a waste of both drugs you're gonna what? yeah and i i kind That's of agree wrong it's it it takes all it takes all the goodness of Molly, and it makes it bad. And it it's confusing. It didn't work. I didn't. I didn't. Well, I didn't do it because he told me not to. But I saw I, other I people doing it. And my I was like, only that problem was a with it is that the coke runs out before Molly does, and you come down, and then you're <laughs> emo. And then you feel all the pain exquisitely. Yeah. So but not fully because you're still on Molly a little bit. So you're kind of like. Yeah, you just gotta sm- smoke a couple bowls and come back up. That's been my yeah. uh, that's been my thing I've been working on is like you know I'm mindful of that but it's hard in these COVID times and I live in the Tenderloin yeah Molly in the COVID times Molly's the only thing that I can get from like these like really professional white drug dealers that deal through like WhatsApp oh I know like yeah it's really weird like I know sure. a couple guys I'm not I'm not saying names but I know no, some no, like, people that are really yeah. like. All the drug dealers in Chicago are really professional, sending out like menu texts every week and being like, wow. "Stop by for COVID." And like, <laughs> Molly's one thing that they all have. So funny. The future is now. Well, the future is today. <laughs> the future is yeah. The future is happening right now. When I walk now, so every day, I don't walk at night here anymore because it's frightening, and I don't like to take the bus because it's even scarier than walking. And I do have a stick that I True. carry that I can whack people with if I need to. I mean, I'm not afraid, but I. Do you carry, like, pepper spray or something? Do I what? Do you carry, like, pepper spray or, like, a No, no. I have a, um, I have a one-by-two, uh, one-inch 
thick by two inch wide stick that's about two and a half feet long that a child I used to nanny for wrapped in like silver tape and painter's tape so it looked like a sword. And she wrapped mm-hmm. it up for me and gave it to me for Christmas one year because she found out where I lived and she lives in the mission and she found out I lived in the Tenderloin and she went there once and she was like, that's where you live? So when I, she gave me this present, it got wrapped <laughs> up, I opened it up on Christmas and I talked to her and she's like, I just want you to be safe. And this is like an eight-year-old. Now she's in high school, which is amazing, but she gave me the stick. So I keep it in my backpack now and I've practiced. I leave it just a little bit unzipped so that I can put my hand behind myself, push it up, pull it out, and um, I'm not going to kill anybody with it, because what, if I have to whack someone, away. well, if I whacked him in the head, I could hurt them pretty hard, but I don't, I'm going to whack him in the shins, because it'll hurt mm. so much, and I'm always wearing tennies, so I can run away, no big deal, good for you. that's a good call, it's going to, it's going to solve the problem, because in, if I whack him in the shins, they're going to bend over and be like, Wah! it's going to hurt a lot, it's going to bruise him, but it's not going to kill him, so, I don't want to, like, whack someone in the head and give them a concussion. No, that's not cool. And none of this has ever happened. They kind of robbed you. That sounds cool. I mean, that seems like a reasonable response to being robbed. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm just... I'd rather have a conversation. Did I tell you about the time someone someone mugged my girlfriend and I had to go back and mug him back? They stole, like, $15 in a pack of cigarettes from my girlfriend on the red line. He was, like, walking five feet behind me, so I didn't even fucking notice, and he didn't say anything either until we got out of the subway. I had to go back down there. And it was just, like, a crackhead. He wasn't armed or anything. When I got down there, I was, like, to his back. He was, like, are you my daddy? Yeah, he just, like, cracked out. He wasn't really there. You're so, I just so made him brave. Take it back, and that was it. You're so, so brave. Like him. You are so brave. so brave. That is amazing. That's, like, that's so brave. I'm, Thank you. It's I'm, one of my greatest stories, but in reality, I just told him to give it back, and he didn't do anything. So, if he had a knife or anything, I would have bitched out for sure. I would have left. That's when I. That's when I run. I don't like. Well. <laughs> well, and that's why I'm so excited that my stick is covered in, um, in this foil tape that she gets from her dad's garage or whatever, because it's shiny. And when you pull something yeah. out of your backpack and it glints in the light, even if it's just mm. a stick, people are gonna be like, like their fear takes over. That's the thing is, like, yeah. I always wonder about fear is that because sometimes I have it and sometimes I don't, and it's, it's all a mindset. Like, it takes the same amount of energy to be scared as it does to be brave. So but then you have mm-hmm. to think in the moment, like, is my bravery worth it or should I just run? <laughs> right. I'm always confused by the difference between confidence and stupidity, but I guess they're pretty close to the same thing, honestly. Like, yeah. It's just, I mean, confidence is honestly like a lack of self-awareness in a way. Sometimes? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Well, it, and it, it works, so sometimes it works for comedy, and sometimes it doesn't, because... Okay, yeah, say what you were going to say, because I've, I've seen people who have so much confidence, but they're del- disillusioned to the point where... They think everything's fine, and they're super happy with it. But then sometimes people are so confident, and there isn't a disillusionment. Like, it actually works, and you're just with mm. them. So then, like, what is that secret nugget? Obviously, I think, I mean, I think it kind of comes down to the material. Some of it, if you just deliver, part of the confidence is the joke, but it's, it's different for, like, every joke, I would say. But I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes it's just kind of compartmentalizing 
like, either I know this is going to do really well or I don't give a shit if it just does. Like, we all have that one joke that we keep for ourselves, you know? Like, like, like for me, it's that, like, I, I, I told you, like, you know, you, you know, so I used to do heroin. I, I say that people don't believe me. I don't look like I was on heroin. I look like I was on bleach. And I get to laugh, and then I go, but you can do both. Just ask Cory Monty, and that never gets a laugh. That always gets an awe. But, but I can't not say it because it just fits like a glove. Like it is, it's, it's, it just, it, it really is. You can do both. Just ask Corey. Oh, just, it just fits. I've never gotten a good response on it though. Even when I'm bombing, sometimes I'll say that first one. I'll kind of get them back, and then I'll be like, let's go back to bombing, and I bring it up because I just, it's, it's, it's about principle, you know. Yeah, I have a joke where uh, Bjork is my therapist. It never works because no one knows who Bjork is anymore, and I still do it. I don't what? care. I'm like, I'm gonna do my Bjork. I, it's the one. Bjork is the one accent I can do. The one character voice. Stop, sometimes people don't understand. Oh, it's way better. And your uterus is made of cloud. And the polar bear only steps in the same river once. Don't let parrots lie to you. I actually disagree with you, Pam. I think Bjork is one of the impressions that I hear a lot. Really? Like, I hear Jerry Seinfeld and I hear Bjork a lot. <laughs> but you do a good Bjork. You do a much better Thank Bjork. You. I think most people's Bjork is mine, where it's just like, Can you just fucking hold me? I, I wear a swan and sharpest, and I know Iceland and Icelandic people. I don't know swan. Why is she so famous? Every time she performs in different countries, she speaks in their language. So, France, she speaks French and United States. She speaks American, but her voice is different. And then she speaks Icelandic and um, Dutch also and German. She goes there a lot. I've always She's wanted European. to... She speaks very good European. I've always wanted to do like... Bjork goes to Trader Joe's and like <laughs> has a, has a grocery so list. <laughs> but the problem is, I have to feel out the audience and know if they uh, know who Bjork is because anyone under thirty seems to be like they all just look at me like, huh? <laughs> except for you. I don't know. I I, I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, Bjork is kind of niche in that sense. But like, have you? I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race had a had an impression episode where uh, one the girl that won I think did Bjork or no no the girl that won. Alaska one because Alaska is a queen. I wish I could be so confident. You no, know, I people are confident Alaska. like that. You, you know, you, you watch Labor of Love ever? Labor of Love. No. Which did, did you, what? You never watched Labor of Love? I don't know what that is. Oh, Flavor of Love, not Labor of Love. No, Flavor of Love. I was thinking Labor of Love. Like Blackula. Right, right, yes. I watched Flava of Love and back when it actually happened the first time in like what, early thousands? Uh, yeah. What a what an amazing thing to happen. Yes. Flavor of Love is my all time favorite T V show. <laughs> I, it's so when I first saw it I was on acid and I did not I straight up refused to admit that, that was a real thing. <laughs> There's no way that this is gonna happen. When Flavor Flav came through that door, I was like, Flavor, and everyone just goes crazy. And Flav, he's like 60. Like, he's like 60, and there's all so these 25-year-old women. He has a nose ring that's it's like, he has a nose stud that's the size of his nose. Ugh. I was peaking. Well, so you had a different, you're on acid, it can sometimes make a grand impression of what you're watching. I've never been able to do 
Braveheart again because I went over to my friend's house and guys, guys, this frat house, and, and I had taken some acid. And they were like, hey, we're all downstairs watching Braveheart. And I was like, I don't want to watch that. They're like, come on, come down. And so I couldn't even watch it. All I could hear was like, you know, bodies being ripped apart. And I was on acid. Oh, and I was just that. freaking out. So I've never been able to watch Braveheart ever again. Not that hey, I should. Not that Mel um, Gibson means anything. But acid really fucked me up. What is the best movie you've ever been forced to watch? You know, like you didn't want to see it. Then they made you watch it. And you're like, this is, this is pretty good. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Pootie Tang. I'm going to say Pootie Tang, written and directed by uh, Louis C.K. Uh, and I did not know that. Yes, yes. And when it first came out, it was nothing. And then people kept talking about it. All my buddies, they were like, have you seen Pootie Tang? I'm like, it's called Pootie Tang. Fuck that. I'm a feminist. What is Pootie Tang? What does that even mean? What is even happening? What is it? Is it about pussy? What is it about? And they're like, well, it's, it's a rapper. He doesn't really speak. And then there's Wanda Sykes, and I'm like, oh, Wanda Sykes, I'm fucking in. Amazing. So then I watched it, and I was like, okay, this is the most brilliant thing I've ever seen, dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then when I watched it like 12 more times, I'm like, clearly brilliant. We even, Pootie Tang's door is like a little bit with these things, and we tried to do that to my buddy's door. We tried to like, we went to the store and bought like a fuzzy, like fluffy thing, like um, uh, upholstery fluff, and we, you know, uh, spray glued it to the door covered it with velvet and put like buttons in it to try to make like the velvet booty tang door not I as not good as the booty tang I want to disclose that but the fact that you enjoyed it so much that you would make a DIY door project out of it that's dope as shit that's the best movie magic magic so there's two films that are the worst films ever but the best films ever one is booty tang Louis C.K. Written, directed, super great, lots of cameos, super awesome. The other one is Los Enchiladas, written and directed by Mitch Hedberg, 1999. And it has, and it is so bad, and it's free on YouTube right now. Everyone needs to watch it. There's David Tell's in it, and Mark Maron's in it, and this is 99. You'll see so many cameos, and you're like, what? And it is. How is this free, right? And it's free. It's great. It's like. um, No, that's just free on YouTube. Sorry, well, sorry, I didn't mean to go. No, no, a free cool stuff on the internet. Uh, it used to be free. Leonardo DiCaprio's, uh, right after he did What's Eating Gilbert Grape, he was making lots of money, and he had all these friends. One of them is the short, red-haired guy who ends up being in Entourage. Anyways, they were all best buddies, and they just, you know, liked to fuck girls, and they all had all this money, and they were in their 20s. So they made oh, yeah. this movie called Don's Plum, D-O-N apostrophe S-P-L-U-M, Don's Plum. And it's about them in this diner. And the lighting is terrible, and it's all terrible, and it's super long, and they can't cut it because they all are so fucking hopped up on cocaine and all think they're so amazing that this movie is like two and a half hours long. There's a rape scene in it. There's a bathroom (laughs) rape scene. It's like all about Leonardo DiCaprio and all of his rich fucking 20-year-old buddies in the mid-90s making a movie because they're narcissistic fuckwads with way too much money. And it's amazingly bad. It's so bad. You got it. Dawn's Plum. Find it. It used to be on YouTube for free, but then I think Leonardo DiCaprio found it and was so embarrassed that he made it go away. It's like money and stuff. And but it's it's out there somewhere. You gotta see it. It's it's awful. It's so. Los enchiladas, right? Los enchiladas is the Mitch Hedberg movie. Dawn's Plum. Dawn's Plum is the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. 
I'm not a, I, I didn't, I don't know. Hey, I just, motherfucker, I get you what a motherfucker, motherfucker, the 
faggots. Better blah 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 blah. I mean, that's all he I does. Is... I didn't like the, how many times he said faggot. I don't I like really, it either. It made me so uncomfortable. That's why I can't. And I get that that's the time, but it's still not clever. And it's, it's, I feel, okay, so sometimes I listen to Richard Pryor and I'm like, yes. And sometimes Amazing. I'm like, so much N-word, so much N-word. It's hard for me to get, like, and I get that was the time and that was edge and saying that in public was like an overt thing. But, but he owned that and he's part of that. When Eddie Murphy does he something like that, that when Eddie respect. Murphy starts throwing around faggot, 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 it's not that he's a part of that and he's illuminating it. It's that he is punching down and that we're he's all like, oh, look at him punch down. Yeah, fucking faggot. Right. And that wasn't down. a new concept, though. The whole concept of punching up, like, I feel like it's so important in comedy now. But, like, it's still not a new concept. Like, we knew about that. Like, you didn't make fun of, like, 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 like lots of comics did not make fun of Jews because punching down. Jews made fun of Jews. Oh, oh my God. Ultra Pam. I was a, I, you know, I take comedy classes, right? Yeah. There's this one Jewish girl I sat next to in a comedy theory class. And she was like, I want to make it in comedy because I feel like Jews are underrepresented. <laughs> I, I, she was so but she has such a joke. Serious. That's a great joke. She should open with that. That's hilarious. No, she was so dead ass serious. Though. No, I, I mean, know, but that's said. what makes it funny, especially if she plays serious on it. That's so funny. <laughs> I, oh my God. Why women forget that they're white, bro? I don't know what the fuck about being a woman makes you be like, I'm basic now. No, I, I hate it. I hate it. Whatever. I'm not going to get, you're not going to get me to be misogynistic on air, Pam. No, no, it, it's, right? it's okay. Hey, here's the thing. In the 90s, I, if you want to watch some 90s movies for free on YouTube, play a fun game. I play it all the time. I watch 90s movies and I count how many seconds it takes them to make a misogynistic or homophobic comment. It's always under 60 right. seconds. It's under 60 every single movie. Anything from 1988 to 1998. Even everything like Jingle All the Way. Choose a movie like the Santa Claus. Every movie and in PG-13 movies and in PG movies somehow jokes of making fun of women and making fun of gay people was com completely okay in the 90s. Oh my god. And, and yeah, punching I mean, down. Just like, well, the fact that, like, just, I don't know, just gay archetypes are so limited. But what's, what's interesting to me is that, like, yeah, I feel like, especially Kanye was like, women were made fun of so much, but then they kind of, we, we were like, oh, shit, there's no women in comedy. So we gave them, you know, we gave more of a platform. And then we started to see more female archetypes, which was great. Still all, like, white women or whatever. But the, <laughs> what was the inverse of that, to me, was the gay community, instead of, like, trying to create new archetypes. There were some, like I see Modern Family is a really, I was really happy to see Modern Family come back. But I, I feel like it was kind of a, um, it's a, it like a retaking of the same gay archetypes, you know? Kind of like the black woman and the gay guy. You well, know, it's, you know I mean? like, it's the know? angry black I, woman and it's the super effeminate gay guy who has that look. But that, but, but and that's the character. That, but instead of inventing new archetypes, Right. I feel like it was more leaned into, which isn't a worse way. I want to. I want to make sure. But you know that that archetype, instead of being done away with, was um, exaggerated and embraced sure. in a way that sometimes I feel like is great, and sometimes I feel like um, is kind of it's still, still kind of damaging. You know, like well, the main gay television show is still RuPaul's Drag Race. The only thing I feel like that gives a like a a more broad, less 
playing the playing the gay kind of character is like, well, Anderson Cooper three sixty and <laughs> Modern yeah, Family, you know? Yeah. Like I, I don't like there's nothing about being about liking to being if you have to well, if you want to talk about race in this, being like taking some black women, you know, like having this black female attitude. I just, I just, I, I, you know, I the word angry, so hard the word angry goes out. in front of black woman and it's terrible. That's the trope. That's the archetype that exists. That's the trope. Angry black that's woman. They tried to make Michelle like Obama be that. That has been perpetuated yeah, of course. by the gay community where it's somehow like, this is so empowering to be like a sassy black woman, even though you're like a white man, you know? And it was uh, hard for me to come out to myself because I never identified with these kinds of people, sure. you know? Like, I, I was always a muted kind of, like, I don't know. The, the other, like, especially in my high school, was like, I couldn't be in a gay relationship because I was the only people that I knew were out were these people that, like, I just, I wasn't attracted to in that way. But then when I got to college, I find out that all these, like, these Mormon kids were gay. Yeah. I just never knew about it. I would have loved to know about it. I would have learned so much more about myself. I would have been able, I would have skipped so much pain yeah. in my late teens if I had just, had some examples, more Anderson Coopers, yes, and other people too, so we could have been Anderson Coopers together. Well, and, and but that that's the, the the thing is that when you don't see people as people and we stick them in these archetypes or stereotypes or this is what gay people are like. They talk like this and they are like, oh my god, I love your hair and your right. shoes are so cute, and that's how you're gay is by acting like this and having your voice change and being all. But that's. People are people, and they're all different, and there's all different. And why do we, why do we care about what people do, how they smash their genitals together? Why do we like make right. our whole identities about? Like, I don't care what, who's, who's doing what with who. Why is it anybody's business? Why is anyone saying to anyone else, the way that you get off is gross? Like, why you wanna yuck my yum, bro? Like, it's I just don't get it. Why people's and and that people's entire like identity is wrapped up well, in because it's, I because hate it's these people. That's my identity. The, I mean it's seen as a threat to like your your current way of life and your values. And that is I mean, you don't like pedophiles because for a very valid reason, because like how you wanna have sex is fucking objectively gross and damaging to our society right. and to our people. You know? So there is a space there is a line where it's like, Yeah, okay, we gotta not allow that, you know? And, and I guess if we did, you know what, if we did live in a theocratic Christian society, uh, I, like, I know we do because all of our morals are based off of the religions and shit like that, but if we live in, a, in, in like, the equivalent of, like, an Iranian theocratic society, Christianity, homosexuality would be a thing. It would be and correct. Yeah, you'd get it. You'd want be, us to live in that society are correct. It would be like, like Russia. You'd be like Russia. You'd get jailed. It'd be illegal. Yeah. You'd get punched in the face. People wouldn't like you. You couldn't get jobs. There'd be all kinds of issues and catch twenty-twos. Uh, but but, but that's the thing is that what does this come down to? I hate you because you're different. Because what you do with your genitals and how you smash them, like I don't care if you smash your genitals against a tree or like a like a what per person or I mean I guess like right. I guess like don't have sex with animals because animals can't give you consent. But right, like, unless if, the tree dies. I, like what's the tree gonna do? But why do we? Why is our morality somehow, it's just so funny to me that we take it back to a thing and say, well, we're doing these things because this is morality, but the morality stems from the idea of 
how we choose or not choose to procreate and be this thing that we're sort of built to do, but how we choose as to do it. As long as morality exists, I mean, there is no objective morality. There's always going to be discrepancy between people. We're going to have which people we want to be allowed to live outside of our own personal morality, which it's not okay because certain things are immoral. You know, I mean, I guess there are things that are physically, objectively immoral, you know, like how you were repulsed by the smell of, like, a dead body or something. You know, killing people is immoral because of, you know, more well, or less. But that's nature. because you don't have their, you don't have consent to take their life away. Everybody, it just depends on what we decide, like, is is the concept of life worth living? Is the spark right, that makes us alive in the important? Same way that we think that, like, robbery is immoral because of our opinions on property. We think the killing is immoral because biologically we can't buy the permission to pay to kill, well, our own people. Right. See, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Well, Once you start getting into it, everything's a moving fucking target. And, and, but that's, if you, now, I, I feel weird about theft because I would never steal from you. Uh, and people, yeah, no, but yeah, when people do steal, oftentimes it's of su- such necessity that I feel empathy and compassion for them. And I feel terrible that the person who stole my bag got things of so little worth. They were so worthwhile to me and so worthless to them. And, but I, I still feel like I don't have to steal things because no one should have to steal things. If we actually had a morality code, people, no one would have to steal things because everybody would have their rights. Everyone would have a place to go poop, enough food to eat, something over their head so they're not cold, no. and shelter. And no. then there'd be no stealing. You want to hear some? You want to hear some controversial? Yes. You want to hear some controversial? Okay. Before I say this controversial thing, uh, shout out Ash on the show again. Uh, big shout out. Shout out. Can I remember that girl that uh, played on my guitar school when I went to the train station? Yes. Train to the train yes. And I was like, oh, I met this girl there. She, you know. She was yeah, too yeah, cool yeah, for you to believe. She's right now. Yeah. Oh she my god, that's so funny. You were like, I just couldn't believe it. She was too cool. Like, I don't know, what would she, and then... Yeah, she's way too nice. She's way too nice. I was like, I thought she was trying to scam me straight up. Because I was like, why is any, why would any strangers be nice to me? Suspicious. But <laughs> no, you know, she's tuned into, like, almost every Mutiny Radio thing. So, you know, she deserves a shout-out. And to the two other people listening to this, uh, yeah, you guys, great, too. Anyways, getting into the controversial thing that I was going to say. I don't think that we will ever have an equal society because I think that human beings are innately attracted to class and tribalism and in separation and into creating inequality by getting more than other people, by being better than other people, being more moral than other people. Humans breed inequality. And to try and make a society where everyone is equal is impossible. It is never going to happen because humans eat oxygen and shit inequality. But so, I don't think that it has to be straight people. I think it's what everybody needs. And some people, I, I feel like we can meet people's needs. I, I don't think it's about equality. Like, we all have the same everything, and everyone needs to be okay with it. But I feel that we can meet people's needs as a group. There shouldn't be, we shouldn't hate poor people. Because the reason poor people exist is that's how capitalism works. Like, you can't really have people get ahead without people getting behind. So there's all, uh, all the moving parts, but I think it's compassion. 
comes down to what are people worth? Do we give a shit? And right now, getting here, I walked by so many people in tents, and very intense. Nobody cares. They're all out there. It's very intense. It's very intense. There's like 200 tents in front of the library. I walked down Leavenworth. There's, it's all, it's just a new community of tents. And, and it's, why do, and I, I'm part of it. I walk by them. Why do they have to live in a tent and they have to shelter in a tent? And I, and I have an apartment, but my apartment's small. I know people that are living on. I mean, because of, because of choices that you make. Not everybody. Not everybody's in that position because of choices they made. Sometimes choices that other people made. But I mean, I, I mean, like I'm an addict. I, I realize that that I made have put me in the situation that I was in, you know? And I'm very privileged to be able to get out of it and have the opportunity, you know, some things that I, I, I am able to make certain choices. But I, I, I think that, first of all, I don't think it's always the individual's fault, right? I think that there's a systemic reason behind a lot of this stuff. But I, I don't think that there's... People choose to live a way that fits how they feel about their lifestyle. I think that the choices you make reflect the lifestyle that you end up living. Never mind. You know, I, no, I no, no, no. And, I, and I, agree, I, I agree with that. But then what happens is that when – so I've been watching a lot of hoarders lately because thank you, Netflix. And I love hoarders. I also love intervention. Uh, and globally, I'll say this first. I love intervention because it makes me feel like I'm not a real alcoholic. And I love hoarders right. because it makes me feel like I'm super clean, even though my house is very messy. It's not that. So I saw a woman – on the hoarders the other day, walking around barefoot, and her dogs had lived in her house for eight years, and she never let them out to go potty. Like, and that she was standing on dog poop all the time, barefoot, and she'd been living there, and she wasn't dead. And it made me think. It's a choice she made. But yes, but like humans, of, but humans can get used to a lot of things. Like, you can live in a tent on the street. There's a guy who's been living outside my house for 13 years. His name is Fuck My Life. I think his real name is Robert. Anyways, he's a real honest and nice guy, but. I've seen I've seen him for he's making tool tips, and he's been there for 13 years and nothing has changed except he's gotten skinnier. But it's like, right. and well, you know, I honestly I'm gonna revise my statement. I think that it's the choices that you make, right? But these choices are made because of subconscious reasons, systemic reasons that you don't have. You know, like 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 I mean, it's the, it's the Republican argument. It's like you know. And I, this is not my opinion, you know. But the Republican argument of like, with, with especially in the '90s, with that that that, import, that um, facilitated mass incarceration, was like, why don't black people take responsibility for themselves and stop this? You know, it's an individual act of activism. Why doesn't the individual choose to change? The individual does get to make these decisions. These choices that they make, you know, sentiently, are influenced by things that they have no control over. Well, systemically, right? and it's and so difficult. even addicts, it's like you make the choice continue to use, you make the choice to continue to try to put yourself in a position, but why? Because of the position that you were put in as a child because right. of alcohol or because of your own dependency on because you can't make another choice. Uh, you know, but, 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 but then but crack, was, anyone is crack was introduced, life. crack was introduced into black communities in the oh, 80s. Yeah. That and so that's the other thing is that like when you're, when you are systematically kept down it's, it's the same thing, oh, now we have equal opportunity. Everybody has, but we say, oh, all the doors are open, except that you've been wearing shackles on your, you know, you've, you've, had, a, you've had something attached to your, like you have, you have cement boots. And suddenly we go, hey, 
we're starting, we're starting the starting line. It's right here. But then you've been wearing cement boots, and the white people are like, all right, starting line starts here, and we just start running. Right. Let's run. But then everyone else who's been shackled, first of all, they're like, yeah, the starting line is here, but we're wearing cement boots. It's really hard to run the race. Right. You don't understand the boots I'm wearing. And, and we're like, what? Well, fuck your boots. Come on. We're doing a race, bro. Like, let's. And, and our concept of empathy, too, in our society is if I were you, what would I do? How would I feel? Well, I'm a very privileged person. I went to a high, I went to a high school and I got to come home every day to both of my parents. Yeah. My mom would cook dinner, you know? Yeah. I had all these privileges. And so when I try to empathize with you, it's still from the only perception I know. And if I were you, knowing that all I know about my family and, and who I am and all the opportunities I've been given, well, then I would do something different, you know? And I, 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 it's just, it's, I, I, I guess I, you know, honestly, I guess I revised my thinking on that. And making certain choices, I think that there is, you, you have the choice when you are purchasing drugs to be like, yeah, you want to do this or not. But that choice is also informed by the fact that I have nothing else. I feel I am trapped into this. I am living in housing projects because I physically cannot live anywhere else. I have nothing to live for. I don't have a job. My mom, my my parents are incarcerated. My community right. is destroyed by drugs. I, this choice is not. It's not a. It's not a sober choice. You know, so right, to speak. right. It's not a choice that is made from the same context that someone else might look at it and try to quote unquote empathize with. I don't yep. think true empathy exists. I mean, I try. So when I – you can watch shows like Hoarder and fi- Hoarders and figure it out. What, there's, there were some kids on Hoarders where they were responding to their parents and grandparents hoarding and all these kinds of things. And what the, how they responded was to get out of the house by any means necessary, and they became alcoholic addicts because that was the only – because they'd rather be drunk on some random person's couch than sleeping with cockroaches and mice in dog feces. And so all they, they didn't have a choice if they're like when you're 15 and you can choose to live in an uninhabitable place or live on the street. Maybe the street's better. And so when those are the choices right. you're faced with, what do you even? You don't see anything beyond that, and nobody's going like, "Hey, are you applying yourself? And do you care? Because your clothes smell like dog feces or whatever." It's right. I don't know how that works. But then again, but then again, have you seen um, have you seen those videos on like? Seven strangers try to figure out who deserves a thousand dollars. I have not heard or seen any of this. What is this? Wow. Watch those. After you watch those, it's really hard not to be prejudiced. Basically, what happens is that, like, the people that actually need the thousand dollars are kind of like eliminated because they're a threat to, you know, the people that want it. And who ends up winning, the first one, is these three people of color that aren't disadvantaged, really, but end up using that card as if they are inherently so because of their identity. And is that true to an extent? Yes, I'm sure. What is this called? It's the cut. It's called Seven Strangers Try to Figure Out Who Gets a Thousand Dollars. It's fucking fascinating. Every round they have to eliminate someone, and like the first person to get eliminated is this white guy, and the second person to get eliminated is a Latina single mom, and they say, why don't you just get another job? You know who gets it? You know who in the top three, one of the people in the top three is a man, a black man, that says he's unemployed because, he's unemployed by choice because he can't get a job 
because he's black. Oh wow! But but he, but he's not. But he's a he's, he's a button-up shirt, upper middle class, gay black man, and he's un- by choice. Is it true that it's harder to get a job because you're black? Yeah. Does it mean that you physically cannot get a job, and that's why you're entitled to the thousand dollars over this single mom? <laughs> A single who also, mom. Who also, like, passed over. Like, 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 no, I feel like, I feel like, I, I mean, when you kind of enable people to be victims, like, I, I, you kind of enable everybody, even people that aren't really victims, to take them, you know? Like, especially, I'm, I'm sorry for rambling so much, but at my high school, I went to a high school in the Silicon Valley, goddammit. We are all upper middle class people. We are all enormously privileged. Student Indian and Asian women, upper middle class, parents worked at Google. And the only thing that was ever written about was oppression of race and gender. I understand that this is true for other members of your community. You live in the Silicon Valley. You are upper middle class. You got to write it the truth. You right. are being blind.
I feel like, I mean, you are ignoring your own privilege when you say that just because you're a member of this group, you know, like, you can, like, I know tons of women, okay, Kristen Cavallari, bro, that's a privileged woman. That is a woman that has more privilege than her straight white husband, because she doesn't have to work, she gets all this money, she gets treated amazingly because she's a beautiful white woman, you know? Is that to say that all white women, that there isn't sexism? No. Women get discriminated against all the time. Obviously, because Kristen Cavalieri, you're a beautiful, you're an attractive white woman. There is an enormous amount of privilege with that. And to say that there isn't, it's it, it just fucking debasing. And the same thing with like rape culture. Like there is rape culture, yeah, but it's not like how it's like in Saudi Arabia. And to, have, and to yes. try and equate the two is so fucking debasing, and it's backwards because the general public know that the general public are like that's fucking stupid and and, and it pushes the whole movement backwards even rice isn't about air conditioners being sexist in office buildings absolutely not you know i i, I, I don't know i i believe that i'm very progressive with these things but i guess i'm just too cynical to buy into every fucking new yorker article that i happen to read on reddit oh you know how to that. read that's amazing that's like you're four oh steps ahead of most americans you read you still read I, I love reading. I you have critical thought? Stop it. You're not a real American. They want us all I'm to... I'm not if I don't buy into the liberal agenda just right. I agree with the liberal agenda. But you know, I, I, and I hate, I hate these conservative young men that are like, conservatism is the new punk rock. That's the stupidest shit I ever heard. But they do have a point in the fact that mainstream ideology is liberal ideology. And the thing about liberal ideology is unless you buy into it 100%, like, if you're 85% into it, you're 15% Republican. You're 15% problematic. I think that's alienating and anti-theological. And also because it's an all-or-nothing one way or the other. We have an economy to fill. For either to grow the people, we can we should have a multiple-party system. We can do all kinds of things. Like, open it up, you know? Why, why only have two parties? Why does it have to be so oh, yeah. bifurcated? Why does it have to be? One or the I other. Wonder. Why are we so dualistic? We can only have God and the devil. We can only have yeah. Democrats or Republicans. We can only have evil or good. There's a spectrum. That's a great question. I, I wonder why that is, though, because there is something that is so kind of hard for us to get through. Yeah, it's, it doesn't all have to be dualistic. Hey, let's let's play this other song you wanted to play. Uh, okay, wait, wait can, I, can I pose one more question? Yeah, you? please, please. This is from uh, Ash. Um, corona protesters. What do we think about this? What do we think? C- corona think protests? Uh, <laughs> so, I think that this situation is actually orchestrated by powers beyond our control. Like, no- nothing that we could conceptualize is actually real. This is a test. This, this what's happening and I'm a wackadoo, so I feel like this is a test to sort of, because shit is about strange biological warfare, but this is a virus that was concocted to kill fat, dumb people. So I feel like it's perfect for the United States. Oh, like, right. it's, it's, only, it's only a problem if you're super obese or have diabetes. Or, did you know 33% of our population is obese? Type 2 diabetes didn't exist in children until like 1989. It didn't exist. 
there were like so few cases. And now kids, nine-year-olds are getting diabetes because our diets are terrible. And so is... Well, that's we kind of support it now, too. Well, of course, our entire economy is supported by unhealthy food. That's everything. Right. Is, if you were just regular American, you're, how many times a week do you eat fast food? Gross, terrible. It should be like a once-a-month treat, not an everyday food source. And then, oh, look at it. It's cheap. It's cheap, but that stinks. It's the only option. It's the only option. And so if we are looking, if something outside of us is looking at this and saying, we want to get rid of some really horrible people, like, it's the perfect disease. And I, I, and I'm a, I don't want, I don't want anyone to die ever. I feel like, and I understand, I don't understand. I try not to think I want all people to die. I think, I think people that, when they've stayed long enough, they've been bound. Well, like you only get to ride the fair tour for two rotations. That's what you get. That's what everybody gets. Get off. Well, Soylent Green is people. But uh, when, <laughs> when is, when is your, I don't know. I, I also don't think old people should drive. I, I don't drive anymore. But, and I can't no. see anything. And I'm like, I. Well, we're I, so obsessed with rights. We're so obsessed with entitlement that everyone's entitlement to be whatever they want. And I think that's, you know, good to a certain extent. But, I mean, this even goes for, like, the Big is Beautiful campaign. Yes, big is beautiful, uh, and I don't think that anybody, if you're not, if you're healthy enough, that's fine, you know? You shouldn't try to get skinny just because you want to be pretty, right? Specific health issues, I mean, we, what, I, mean, the, we, I don't think that we should ever be condoning something that's unhealthy. If, and if you're, if you're chubby, who cares? That's an aesthetic thing, you know? Like, that's, it's not, it's not about health. I mean, it's not about, it's not about aesthetics, it's about health, you know, if you're morbidly obese and it's hurting your own ability to live your, I mean, not to live your life, because if you, you know, if you want to be obese, fucking do your own thing, but don't tell people that it's a healthy way to live, it's just not, being chubby, yeah, it's fine, dude, what the fuck, just, just, but just because, like, you know, I, you know, cause, like, be, being, uh, well, this is about, it's an entitlement to be whatever you want, and whatever it's a, you want to be, it's an entitlement to excess, the thing is that the concept that we have obese people we have so much food and so much that we have diseases that are caused by overconsumption. Look at hoarders. Dear Lord, they have so much stuff that it's debilitating and changes their lives and becomes a disease because of excess. There are people with nothing. There are people in Mexico right now building houses out of old garage doors and right. plastic stuff. And we have diseases that ex that are purely overconsumptive. That's insane to me. <laughs> right, right, right. And the thing is, though, but like, I guess what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is that there's a difference between you are allowed to do this and you are should be allowed to do this between you should do this, you know? You know? Just like, if you, if you say, if what if you said hoarding is beautiful? I, I mean, if you well, think it is, it's then beautiful yeah, for the economy. you're entitled to that. But, it, you know, it is also unhealthy. And to it, tell people that it is not unhealthy is insane. But it makes you a good American because you consume, 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 buy, oh, yeah. buy, buy, consume, buy, consume, buy, consume. buy, 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 Marvel movies, Marvel movies, Marvel movie, Marvel movies. Oh my God! I, you know what? You know what? It's, it's just people talk about not about hating capitalism all they want, but as soon as they sell merchandise that's anti-capitalism, we eat it the fuck up <laughs> to validate feminist AF movies. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Just I, I mean the fact that you buy shit and okay I. Fucking hate Marvel movies, dog. 
fucking hate Marvel movies. It's championing mediocrity. I didn't, I've never, I couldn't even watch Black Panther the whole way through. I watched the first 15 minutes and I was bored. And it made me feel like a bad person and I can't believe I disbelieved that on your video and you're like, oh. And it isn't because it was black, it was just boring. It was 15 minutes in and I was like, I'm not into this story. Am I supposed to love this story? And people are like, you love Black Panther. And I was like, I couldn't watch it, I'm sorry. first Black Panther movie, Black Panther movie one is important because of representation. I get that. Black Panther movie two is just weaponizing that same lack of representation. Money. I didn't I don't even know, know there was. That. I didn't know they will. I didn't know there was There's a second one. There's be a Mexican panther and a, a Asian panther. You're just weaponizing people's own lack, the lack of representation that you created, to make even more money off of this thing. Fuck superhero movies, dog. I don't care. And people that say, oh, you don't like them, it's popular, it's right, but just because it's popular does not make it good. Marvel yeah. movies suck shit. Well, no, and they're all bad. Popularity. Popularity is. I don't. I don't agree with it because it's championing mediocrity. When we say this is the, the thing that. Okay, so I have this one rant I love to do. Uh, Sausage Party costs nineteen dollars to make, and I feel like it's the worst animated movie that ever existed in the history of animation. They open. They open with a song where they rhyme. Fuck with fuck. I just couldn't get on board. I was like, oh, rich people want to make more money. Look at this. And it was so, the tropes were so like, oh, the falafel and the, oh, what do we have in common? Hummus, the taco, and the, anyway, the whole thing was like, ugh. But it was $19 million to make. And I always say, you could have given a million dollars to 19 different amazing filmmakers. 19 beautiful, amazing, hilarious, incredible, wonderful films could have been made instead of a piece of dog shit. And, ugh, when I see... Here's the argument that I love to make, the rant that I love to make about the exact same thing. Mass communication is antithetical to art. Because art is about the relationship between the artist, the art, and the individual. The individual has to turn this object into art, you know? And so once you make it mass communication for as many people to turn it into art, you have to take away the subtlety, you know? There's literally no way to make art that is profound to every single person that looks at it. I'm going to disagree and say Star Wars. Say the first Star Wars that it was universally popular, but also had super subtlety that people could apply or not apply, entertaining to the masses, but also had potentially meaning. It's okay. You can disagree with me. You don't have to love Star Wars like me. It's okay. You don't have to love Star Wars. It's fine. Although Rogue I One was I'm trying to say, what I, what I, I guess, the movies, that, that doesn't count as art to me as much as it is entertainment. I think that's what pops, you know? And I, I think that art can be entertaining, but not all entertainment is art. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and so yes. That, I think that you couldn't necessarily, like, like you can make a, like, the most poetry, for example. There, I don't think there is a single poem that hits, like, there is no way to make a mass-produced, commercially popular poetry. Robert Frost. That is, any, but that is, any, but here's, but here's what I'm going to say about that. That is anything but, like, appeals to the identity or you're supposed to like it or is bland enough for everybody to be done. And you know what? I, I can't defend this point to, as much as I'd like to, so I'm going to just concede defeat. <laughs> I, I, because you know what? You know what? I, I remember one time, I think I was on, 
I came up with this this idea, and I, you know, I still think that I'm right. And I had a really good. I wrote like a three-page manifesto on it. You know what? I just can't access the same information on it as I as I had. So you know what? You make two good points. Robert Frost, though, I don't I don't agree with because you can just make something that's like bland enough. You, you can't you can't make art that's that's good, great great art is antithetical to a large release and mass communication of it because it has to be specific and profound to the individual. E. E. Robert Cummings. Frost is good. Mm, no, they're e. both Cummings. a little bit bland. The Even Star Wars man. is a little bit Far bland. Far and Wee. Robert Frost. What is the most famous Robert Frost song? Stopping by stopping woods on a woods, snowy evening. Stopping in the woods on a snowy evening and the two roads diverge in yellow. Yes, right? yes. Both of those are in are blank slates for emotion. I don't think you could ever have like, I don't think you could ever have a poem that is so like specific and subtle and profound be as successful as those, because it has because the best art is very very individual between the viewer and the thing, and that's why I think that the best music is like indie rock, you know, because it's about your personal relationship with this person with this thing that is uniquely yours in this unique way that you share it with nobody but yourself. Okay, let me And let, I guess sorry, I, I can I can negate you on this popularity point. Stephen King. Amazing fiction, incredibly popular. Well, totally personal. It's entertaining. That's entertaining. Entertaining, but there are so many books. I he writes literature. He has many short stories. He has a fucking literature. And he has a whole I mean he's written like 88 novels now and every, I mean the the pantheon of Stephen King is so big and it's so widely yeah. relatable and accessible and yeah. entertaining and it's art it's straight no, up I'm art wrong. No no I'm totally wrong I'm totally just disagreeing with myself now cuz I'm going to bring up a point against myself Nietzsche Nietzsche's specific and individual and yet white men everywhere like me ubermen for generations you know so I disagree with myself I have I have a favorite of his. Let me read it for you really quickly. This is my, this is my favorite Nietzsche quote of his. Uh, it's, my dream is a sailor, half ship, half hurricane, silent as a butterfly, patient as a falcon. How did it have time and patience to day for weighing the winds? Nietzsche was a poet. He was a fucking poet. Hard. He was a that poet. That so hard. That's he a was fucking a poet. banger. For a thirteen-year-old me, when I read *God Is Dead*, I was like, "When I read uses, I read uses and abuses of history in fifth grade. I had no idea what I was reading." But like, when he was all like, "The uses of history," I was like, "Fuck, bro, <laughs> the masses really do be cowed." Oh, not me though. I'm unique. The other Nietzsche concept that I love uh, is his concept of the heaviest burden, and he talks about if you. If a if a, an amazing angel slash devil came to you right now and said that you could live your entire life over forever and infinity, but every single decision and every single choice you've ever made happens in succession over and over for eternity, would you gnash your teeth and weep in horror, or would you say, "Hell yeah, I'm totally down with this"? That's the heaviest burden. Is that is yeah. is the life that you're living? Is it something that you? Is every choice and every decision, every moment, are you willing to live that in perpetuity forever, or do you have regret? Mm. And that mm. concept of the heaviest burden threw me into it. I was like, ah, my, ah. that's hard. But that's it's, hard. It's optimistic, 
um, uh, nihilist, like, mm. and and I guess Nietzsche's an existentialist, existentialist, but a nihilistic. They they, they converge. They converge. Camus owes a lot. Yes. I, Camus was my man. The opening line of Fifth Ranger, which I also read in fifth grade because I had a really big I'm smart page, that shit hit me so hard because fools think that it's like nihil not it's not nihilistic. It's not about like nihilism is not sad. Like, right. It's not about everything sucks. It's about like nothing has meaning, make your own meaning. And the fact when people tell me that like it's just sad, it just proves that like you have no idea, you just you just lack the ability to create your own meaning in this. Well, sometimes that's that's the product of indoctrination. That's that's the optimistic indoctrination. It's optimistic nihilism versus cosmic nihilism, where you say cosmic nihilism is like all of us are meaningless. It's all too big. Nothing has meaning. Destroy everything, as opposed to optimistic nihilism, which is nothing has meaning. Create your own meaning. You are your own measure yeah. for what meaning is. So right. have it or don't. I, don't judge other people's meaning because that's personal to them. You can interact with them and see right. if maybe they can bring you meaning as well, but you're still – which is why there is no that's God because we're God because we create our own reality. So, And that's an optimistic thing. Down, like, I understand tearing down other people's religion when it hurts other people, you know? But, like, it doesn't matter that this person believes this thing that is not true. It doesn't matter because they're going to die – Nothing's gonna change, you know. If they're happy until they die, then who the fuck cares? Yeah, then what's the, what's the problem? Just, yeah. What's the problem? Well, that and being it, said, d- this all goes God back. This all goes back into the thing of like why we judge each other and care so much about how we smash our heads in. Who cares? Right. Who, what, someone's deriving meaning out of whatever. Great. Why do we say your meaning has value? Your meaning doesn't have value. Fuck your meaning. This is wrong. And then, but that someone must be getting something out of that justification of whatever. Yeah. There must be something, a, a fear or a truth. It's in defense of your society. You don't want your society to dissolve. You don't want your way of life to dissolve. But in our society now, bro, someone's fucking dudes is not going to dissolve the United States, okay? Even if, like, even if, even for me, I'm an atheist, right? Or like a spiritual agnostic, whatever the fuck. Even now, if the United States is all like, we love Trump forever. He's dictator. We're going to be Christian forever. It still wouldn't change how I live my life. And the minute it does, then I would bounce. You know? Yeah. But as long as we maintain a society, I think our society, our government is, is, is disconnected from us as individuals enough for us to be able to practice whatever the fuck we want. So it doesn't even matter. Well, that's also a very privileged position to have. It's, a, it's when Trump American. Out, I, I it's it was an entitled position to have. Where would you bounce to if if uh, everybody suddenly was like, Trump's forever dictator, we love him. I would bounce too, but where would you go? France. Oh, France! Well, I mean, I'm moving to England in August, you know, so I mean, that's probably maybe there, but probably France because I love French culture, and I don't know, I think that cheese. You, know, you, you only love have cheese. one life, right? Yes, you have to go to the mecca of cheese. I love cheese. Yeah, I, you know, I, I love. France. I love. Um, I think that I want to live as. I always want to live as many lives as I possibly can. Which is why that I'm going to try to live as much as I can until I do a forty-five right. 
And then once I'm like 40, whatever, I'm going to move to a foreign country, learn a new language, and just completely start over and be like a cheesemaker. So I can live two lives instead of just one, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Benjamin Button the fuck out of that. I want to experience it. I, lo I love it. Are there children playing behind you? I hear some strange... Yeah, I'm next to her. I'm next to Rio Grande. I think they're coming out with their rounds. Oh, that's so cool. They're not social distancing. They are social distancing. Yeah, they're family. So it's family. like, they're fine. Uh, no they're one cares all... about. New Mexico's opening up. They're, uh, th their jam hands are all in each other's mouths anyhow. It's fine. Yeah, and they're all in the water, too. So it's like, these liquids are getting exchanged. You're going to be fine. Fine. So you go to France. I'd, uh, I'd move to the Netherlands. I'd, I'd go to Amsterdam Ooh. as quickly as possible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love it. You've been there. Oh, yeah, then. multiple times. I, I love, love Amsterdam, Amsterdam so much. Like, I have, I have friends there. I, have, I love, I love. Anywhere where it happens is amazing stuff. Like, there's, but the coolest thing about Amsterdam is just walking around, whatever. And it's like, oh, that house was built in 1632. <laughs> like, oh, it's my just, God, right? Right? That's You're just what like, I love oh. about Europe. Yeah. Dude, I, in, in, in England, like, I was next to Hadrian's Wall, and I was in Chester, England. Hadrian's Wall is right there. There's a, there's a fucking building built in the 1500s, and on the bottom floor is a Sephora. <laughs> oh, my God, that's hilarious. Do you have a joke about that? That's a funny no, joke. No. That's it's just an funny. But you know what? And the best thing about it, that's exactly how it fucking should be, you know? Because every throughout the ages, even in the 1700s, they were probably like some fucking assholes, like, oh, buildings in the 1500s. Look, there's a fucking cobbler. Well, and uh, makeup in I, the 1700s I'm had lead in it. Right the, the best thing about makeup in the 1700s in France is it was lead based. So women would get lead poisoning. Tight. gone. I lost Aaron Atkinson. Well, I'll tell you this one little thing and you see if he calls back. Um, when it, it's a thing called Saved by the Bell. and Oh, there he is. We lost Hi, you, but you sorry. came back. Hi. There was a guy following me and I took out my earbuds to like do it and oh. I hung up. Oh, there. Yeah, hey, it happens. So, uh, this is a, a thing. Uh, do you know where Saved by the Bell comes from? The euphemism, the cliché? So it comes from the 1700s in England with night watchmen at cemeteries because when you'd go to the pub, the glasses were made of lead. And so they'd be drinking beer at the pub out of lead glasses. And oftentimes the patrons would die, but they wouldn't be dead. They'd just have lead poisoning, right? And so they'd bury them and they had a bell. They had a string that went down into the coffin. Oh. Just in case someone woke up, they'd ring the bell, and that's why there were night watchmen in a cemetery, because they were saved by the bell. Because people were, they found out that people had died, and they'd been trying to get out of the coffin and, and like, scraping their way. There's no way to get out. You're buried underground. You die. You run out of oxygen at some point. But people would wake up out of their potentially lead-poisoning stupor and be saved by the bell. That's horrifying. You know, it's, 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 it's horrifying how long it took us to figure out the name of the term. 
Yeah, that lead is bad for you. Yeah, yeah. Even until the seventies, they were putting them in toys that were made in China. And like, kids, let the babies, let the babies. Kids play with would that. Oh no, no, China thing that happened in the two thousands. Mm. My mom, I remember my mom being furious about that. Yeah, that's in. That, well, that's that's kind of kind of China thing. <laughs> I, I I remember being kind of like, I don't know. I, I also, you know, in China they have this thing called um, um, gutter oil, which is cooking oil that they use for cooking on the street, but it's about a tenth um, sewage, raw sewage and Oof. fat that they cook down, and use as cooking oil. Wow. So it's like yeah. petrol. It's like actually dinosaur uh, oil. No, it's poop. It's, it's poop. raw sewage. The thing is, you know, actually, I was talking about this with one of my Indian friends, and I was like, you know, I think maybe in my, you know, honestly, I think I was being kind of culturally insensitive. I was saying, you know, India is a, is a dirty country. My friends that have gone there said, you know, wow, it's very dirty, sitting in the street. Um, there's not a culture of, there's not a culture of hygiene necessarily. And I was like, you know, why is that? He said, well, because it's not necessarily that we're unhygienic. It's just that we're more comfortable with germs than you are in the West. And I was like, oh. Because they're eating more turmeric. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Also, shit is way more flavorful. You can't, you can't, you can't even tell if it has turmeric. Well, and so. did you know that um, in India, until like even up until the 70s, they used cow patties as their main source of fuel for cooking food in the kitchen. So, and even. It's not bad. It's not bad it's, for you. No, I mean, it's. I don't think it, but just grass. using it as a fuel, cow patties, it's got a lot of grass in it, and it. it it burns slow, and you can cook food on it. So that was one of the things. Also, they would use uh, cow dung to, this is crazy, wash their floors. So, but it's mm, it's not that, they sense. didn't have actual floors. It was that it's a dirt floor, and the way to clean a dirt floor is to, like, spread cow poop all over it and then sweep it off. It's from this cookbook mm. I have from the 60s. That makes no sense It makes no sense. I understand sense. peeing. I understand, like, using urine um, as, like, a cleanser. Like, it's gross to us, but, it, I mean, it is ammonia. It's, it's like sterile. It, it does, yeah. Well, and it is sterile. they used, um, and, and that's, we've learned a lot of uh, organic farming techniques from the uh, Indians, and especially with weed, because they've been growing that for 4,000 years, and they hmm. use cow piss as a natural deterrent for pests, like spider mites and things that eat weed. So it's like a 4,000-year-old cultivation technology, you know, by the Indians to deal with yeah. weed, and they don't, like, separate the ladies. They've got all of their weeded together, boys and girls. It's all the same, and let the <laughs> seeds happen and all that. But they use cow piss, like, as a natural pesticide. You know, when I was in, when I was in treatment, when I was in the desert, our counselor played a prank on us, and he was like, you guys know that psychedelic mushrooms grow in cow shit, right? And we were like, what? So we, like, we're all digging through cow shit for three months, eating mushrooms. And uh, it doesn't. Psychedelic mushrooms don't grow in shit. We're just eating shit. Oh, yeah. that is the worst yeah. prank ever. That's the but worst we April Fools. We him like shit. We threw shit at him. One kid threw human shit at him. Yes. And he I, couldn't change. You couldn't leave for like two more weeks. You had to just. I have to send you. Shit. I have to send you my script. Um, camp. It's about five campers that go on a desert hike, uh, desert awakening. But um, and see, you could add probably some really great stuff if you actually went through it. I just wrote the story yeah. because a buddy of mine told me that his friend's younger sister died in one of these camps, uh, like 
hiking Dude, in the that desert. Happens. Yeah, I know. And so that's why I wrote this story, and it's everybody dies, and there's this guy who's like super homophobic, and it, it was, it's just a crazy story. But uh, Have you read John John Krakauer wrote an amazing uh, article about uh, wilderness therapy programs called Loving Them to Death. Yeah, uh, and yeah, because the people that started them were horribly corrupt, and the whole point was that they used like the survival as a method to not have to pay for any overhead or resources yeah. for these kids, and many of them died. Yeah, like yeah. something like twelve or thirteen. I was put in that shit, and I didn't find out about that. My parents didn't even find out about it until after I'd gone out of treatment. Yeah. ridiculous. And it, they just they t- and they take thousands of dollars from the parents, and they have no food resources, and there's not enough clean water, yeah, and they say bury your shit and do this. And th- yeah, so incredibly low overhead. It's a you can't you can't trust your son, right? So listen to us, and we'll tell you that he's fucked up, and he needs to stay here for six more months for X amount of thousand dollars per right. month. Listen to us; we're the ones you can trust, not your druggy son. Right, and Don't listen to him when he says we're not feeding him. We're feeding him. He's just lying. And and also that once, once parents have dealt with, you know, I mean it's got to be hard. I I'm trying to be empathetic on the other side. If you yeah, have no, a if you're a parent, parent and right? you love your child and you've tried everything and you've watched intervention and you're like I'm not a treatment center. I don't know what to do. I need to trust the professionals. And so you trust professionals, but they're not really professional. Ugh. Yeah. And then and but then, they're making so much. Money. Well, is it that rehab centers? The last treatment center had three testing. Who needs three testing? I mean, treatment centers, but but then that's that goes to like, who deserves treatment and how expensive is it and is it? Who do we care like that? I have a buddy who's. I hope that he's still alive. Zach Wiseman, if you're out there, please give us a call. Seven one five five zero zero five one one. And he was got hooked on heroin, and he's an amazing human being. But the resources aren't there to help him. And when I talked to his mom and she's like, call the police. I was like, I'm not going to call the police on him. Like, what? They're not going to put him into a treatment facility. They're going to put him in jail. And that's not going to help anybody. So yeah. like, where sometimes are the resources? Works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's that tough love. But, oh, my God, you cannot count on that as tough love. Some people, they realize they're like, oh, I have a criminal record. I can't get a job now. Cool. Yeah. I'll just do heroin full time. Right. Uh, and But that's the other thing is like. When, when your situation is unmanageable, and the only thing that makes it manageable is this, you know, substance. I get it. I get it. Why it'd be like I need this thing because my life is unmanageable without this, and you can't see how to make your life manageable without the help. Like there's no, if there's no support, I, like, everyone fuck. hates you. Yeah, everyone. Your parents hate you. Your friends hate you. You hate you? What the fuck? I yeah. Mean, yeah. I'm, I'm trying I'm trying on a small thing. Sometimes I do stupid things, and then I tell myself, I go, like, God, I hate you. And I'm like, no, 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 stop that diatribe. Stop saying that. There's nothing helpful about me saying right. I hate myself. There's nothing. And it's taken me many, many, many years to be able to be like, there is nothing profitable in those thoughts. So how do we switch them? Right. Well, I mean, when I decided I hated myself enough, I stopped. Oh. I mean, I, well, that's just me, though. I mean, that was recently, that was in Chicago, right before I left. I was like, I gotta, I could hate. Yeah, you hate the person you become, and if you didn't hate the person you become, you wouldn't. You wouldn't make the change. change. You would, yeah, there'd be no impetus for growth. 
Yeah. You're so young to have experienced so much growth. Have the pigs made uh, it to it the pasture? Weird. If you go to Utah, you'll meet a lot of young heroin addicts. Really? A lot of them. Because Especially in Ogden. Because their their lives are unmanageable because they're so Mormon and they, they can't express their feelings. And yes. So they push because everything people down already them. think you're unsavable because you wear, like, shorts that are above your knees. You know? Right. What's, I mean, this thing is going to make me only a little bit worse in the eyes of these people. I'm already unsalvageable in the eyes of these people. So let me do this unsalvageable thing that makes me feel okay about being unsalvageable. Oh. I mean, everybody looks at you with the eyes that your disdainful parents have. Every window is a security camera for the church, and it's the fucking – it's Utah. What else is there to do, you know? Right, then judge but, other people for their choices. <laughs> yeah, and fucking get fucked up. And, I mean, hey, there's – Aaron feels pretty goddamn good. I'm not, I mean, not going to lie. You know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a fun way to spend a, an afternoon. It's a terrible way to spend your life. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too into opiates. I'm just really lucky that – I took the five weeks of sobriety before COVID so that I wouldn't mm. be drinking as much as like uh, it's if I wouldn't have taken the five weeks of sobriety before COVID, I, I don't know what it would have happened to me. I would be waking up. I wouldn't be as productive as I'm being right now. I would definitely just be drinking a lot more all the time. So I'm, I'm really right. glad that I got the opportunity to sort of put myself on pause before the world was put on pause because That's good. without those five weeks, I would have been like, because I, I love drinking because it negates all of my choices. Like, I get to be myself, and I am who I am in the moment, and I enjoy that. And sometimes I black out, and I don't remember. But when I, when I black out and don't remember, I'm absolved of those memories because I don't remember them. So it, it, it's sort of, mm. and because it gives me the excuse to say, eh, I was drunk. And so, but that I've been using for mm. years, and I realized that that was a fear of just owning my own decisions. So it's right. easier to have an excuse. So you drink enough, you have an excuse for any decision you make because you just say, oh, I was so wasted. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. I don't remember. And then when you don't remember it yourself, it absolves so much regret or guilt or any concept at all because you don't remember. I don't remember. So th that's something that I started working on. It's like, why do I feel the need? To not uh, own my choices. Why, why it's would I? sound weird. I, I really, when I was on heroin, at least, I, I, I was, my problems are tangible. At least my problems are tangible. Because hair, I mean, it takes, it takes, like, I just feel like shit. I don't know why I feel like shit. I just feel like shit. I just hate myself all the time. And at the same time, like, I don't hate myself. Like, I love myself, and I'm too egotistical and self-centered, but I also hate myself. It's these weird, nuanced, all these threads that I have to unravel. Well, hey, at least now my only problem is that I do heroin. And that's <laughs> it. Now, I can just, now if I just don't do it, I'm fine, you know? So at least it's tangible. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard also in these crazy times. It, there's so much overt anxiety that to even identify it or let it into my life in any way seems so scary. So I'd rather sort of play around in this hallucinogenic, questionable real world. Like, what is reality? What's going on? Because if I acknowledge this anxiety, it might be too overwhelming for me to deal with. So oh, yeah. I'd rather smooth it over by going. I didn't even realize I was anxious until it got pointed out to me in treatment. Like, two weeks into it. Like, I never thought of myself as an anxious person. I just thought, like, 
I don't know. I, I, I never, like, it, that, that was the weirdest thing. It was like, I, I, I was paranoid for a little bit. I was like, shit, am I really anxious? Or did I just, like, do I just think so now because someone said I am? Am I anxious you know? or do I just play because anxious on TV? Because I all of a sudden TV? just realized it. Like, I just realized, it, like, yeah, I spent, like, a whole lifetime worrying about everything. I just, at this point, I spent so much of my life worrying about everything that I like to live in a fantasy thing where I just don't acknowledge it at all because the ignorance truly is bliss. And if I was to lift the cover, pull back the veil on that anxiety, I feel like it would be so overwhelming that I just can't even acknowledge it. What do you mean lift the cover on it? Like find out what? Well, just right now we're in these hugely anxious times. Everyone's wearing masks. Things are weird. People on the bus. I'm walking down the street. Guys have their shirt off. People are just selling weed openly. There's there's tents everywhere. Who can you trust? Who can't you? The, where is safety? All of that is for me under sort of, I've thrown a blanket over it. I'm like, who the heck? And if I right. lift up the blanket, like I can't Dutch oven myself with this much anxiety because it's overwhelming of what is really happening with the world. And even starting to wrap my brain about that, it it's not going to be productive for anybody. It's just going to oh, yeah. It's going to wind me into a, a, an unmanageable state of anxiety because there's no right. way I can control anything that's happening. I don't know when they're going to open things up. When do we get like when do we get to eat in restaurants again? Like that's the dumbest question. But when do we get to walk around without masks? When do we get to right. freely make decisions for ourselves without this enormous fear of dying? And I'm not afraid of dying. I I I've been facing my existential void for years. I'm not as scared of dying. But then yeah, everyone's no. so scared of dying right now. Why? You're not even gonna know it. You're just gonna be dead. Exactly. It's over. You're not even gonna realize it. You're not gonna have anything to regret. It's over. Just yeah. Exactly. And so I, I think the reason I mean smart people kill themselves at a much higher rate than anybody else. And there's a, I mean why I think that is is because and also I mean a lot of heroin addicts I met were very intelligent. A lot of them were fucking morons, but a lot of them were very intelligent. And the reason why is because I think they refuse to lie to themselves. They refuse to like lead themselves on in a direction that would, in the end, be helpful. Sometimes you have to lie to yourself. Sometimes the truth is not something that you can handle. Yeah. Even you, even no matter how intelligent you think you are, even you can't handle the truth. You, know? you can't handle the truth. The truth. The truth that maybe you're not special. The truth that maybe <gasps> you're not really gifted. The truth that maybe you won't be successful. The truth that maybe the thing you've dedicated your life to is not what you're meant to be doing. You are the speaking every internal anxiety that I feel all of the time. All of that is that. Am is my existence worthwhile? Like, is my it is worthwhile, output. but not because you're gifted, because you're a human being like everybody else. That's what I had to learn. I know it's I a mean, very Buddhist idea that it's it's the it's the value we all have as a being that is alive on this particular vibration or plane, <laughs> and we're all here. Right, and it's and it's exasperated by our capitalist society that promotes celebrities and, and and the magic of someone being gifted at something, and that they're worth following, they're worth caring about because they have this uncanny ability to do something. But I mean, just because you don't have the uncanny ability to sing doesn't mean that your life is not worth living. And that's what I had to get over. I wanted to be a musician, but I, I'm not a great singer. I can say words, you know. And I, I want, but I'm not James Blake. James Blake has a fucking 
holy shit, you know? Like, like I used to think that my life would only be worth living if I had a voice like James Blake. And that's just fucking not true. If you're not gifted, if your IQ is 80, your, your life is still worth living and just as valuable as James Blake. Just because Steve News tells you otherwise does not mean it's true. You'll never be good enough! You'll never be good enough! You won't. No one has ever been good enough. No one in the history of all time has literally ever been good enough. Muhammad conquered the entire Arab world, and he's only one of three major religions. You will never be good enough. Jesus was not good enough to get the world to believe him. No, you're ne- you will never be good enough, so get over it and stop trying. Wow, there is some ex- more existential speech from Aaron Atkins. Sorry, I was just, I just finished writing my show today, and was, I had to do a whole bunch of soul searching and that bullshit, and so I'm in the whole articulate Charles Bukowski mood. No, I hey, I completely understand, especially when your Edinburgh show is is it going to be zoomed? Are they going to do that no, instead? No, it's not going on in 2020. I mean, I don't know. People are saying the live performances are going to come back for like a year and a half, two years, which so I think is kind of. I hope not. I mean, I think the fringe is going to be going on in 2021. They didn't cancel it until like April. So, yeah. Well, I mean, nobody knows. I mean, what is even happening? I just, I can't, I can't even wrap my brain around. And, but it's not, for me, this hasn't been difficult. To be honest, Mutiny Radio is actually in a better position now than it ever you has been. You were out for a second, though. I was, but then, <laughs> that's right. So at the beginning of at the beginning of April, I lost my shit, and then enough people came together that we're good until September. And I'm like, what? So that's great. You know, and you know, I'm just going to play it day by day and work things out, and we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll all be dead next week. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully. You know, fam. You know. You know what? I knew we were gonna be friends. I knew. I knew that we were gonna have some kind of relationship because the first time I went up to Mutiny Radio and I bombed my dick off, I remember it being extra painful because I was like, I know I'm supposed to be involved with this somehow. <laughs> I was like, I know. Like, I just fucked up this relationship that I am supposed to have. Not even necessarily with you per se, but just like I was like, this is a, this. This station, this place is something that I was kind of meant to be at least involved with in some capacity. And the fact that I went up there on my dick off in front of my I need dad, to find – do you remember the date? Because I have I all of the podcasts. I want to find the old podcast and listen to it. I'm sure I it wasn't as bad as you thought. To it. Yeah, it's, it's recorded somewhere. Oh, it's in it's there. It's, it's in, I'm sure it's in Fantastic somewhere. You just have to remember the date, and I'll play it again. I'll listen to it. I don't remember. So many people come through this room, though, that I just don't, not anymore, but they used to. I just, it's so hard to keep people. But every, uh. Motherfuckers are so mean to you, Pam. Motherfuckers are such fucking why. I can't imagine being so bitter as some of the people I see on your Facebook that (laughs) think they're so famous. Talking about, I'm going to text people three. I'm going to text Booker and tell him not to book me. Who are you? Some fucking comic from Berkeley? I've never heard of you. I don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. What the fuck? It's all... Comedians think they're so fucking important. Well, Jesus it, Christ. It all goes... good thing when they got it. It all goes back to the whole idea of who's... Are you big? Are you not big? Who cares? Like, I, I, you know, I'm a 45-year-old lady. I've been trying... I love stage time. I've been trying to perform since I was three. And I learned early on that I just might have to create my own stage time. There's no fairy agent that's going to swoop down and scoop anyone out of obscurity and say, you are amazing. 
So I just started making stage time for myself. And but that's what makes me happy. And if people recognize it globally ever or if even when like the girl you said she's listening, fuck yeah, that's that's enough for me. There's an audience. I mean I'm There's an audience. I'm stage time. I'm all about stage time. And so to say that, Fridays at seven o'clock we've been doing a show here. It's called Outdoor Comedy. People gather on the street, six feet distance. And we've been doing comedy only with the COVID crew who's been here since the festival so that we're not, like, infecting new people. But it's basically Nathan, Sam, Rachel, Warhol, Hunter. I'm coming. Yeah, I'm hey, coming whenever you get back to San Francisco, like you have a place to stay. You're, uh, you're, uh, if, if they let you on a plane, you are 100% welcome as long as you're not allergic oh, to cats. I'm driving a U-Haul from Mexico. Perfect. Welcome. I'm going, I'm, I'm going through Phoenix. I'm going to see my boy toy. And I'm going to L.A. to spend a couple days on the beach, and then I'm going to go north, uh, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to do some comedy, and I'm going to just kick it for a week. And then you know what? I, you know what I got? You know how privileged I am? I got a $1,500 flight voucher from American Airlines that expires in like two weeks. What? So, I don't know, right? Come yeah, visit. I, I oh, dude. Dude, just come to San Francisco. To come to San Francisco. You have a place to stay. I'm going to drive to San Francisco. I'm probably going to go to, like, I don't know, maybe, like, Korea or something. Because I, I literally, I have to spend it or else it's going to be going away. Oh, go it's to. $1,500. I can't not spend it, you know? So, exactly. Well, go know. to go to Greece, then. Oh, my God. Go do free yeah, camping in Greece. Because you can. I, I don't spend money on vacation. I just go to, I just get a hostel and I walk around. Yeah, but on, on the island of Telos. It's free camping. A lot. You can look up Greek islands, and they have free camping. All you need is a tent. And you can even have your tent Amazon. You can have your tent Amazon to the bar so that when you get to the bar, you can say, hey, something was sent to me. And then your tent is there, and you put it up on the beach. And they have uh, showers and toilets, and it's all free. You don't have to, it's not like the United States. You don't have to pay. And they've got – oh, my God, go to Greece. If they let you in – Are you going to go to Greece or Korea? I, or I would say – you got Or go, Australia. Well, Australia would be great, too. I got homies out there too, so I could stay there for free. Yeah. Japan would be like weird. But Japan's so expensive. Though. Bucks. I might never get this opportunity again. Go to know, go so. to Australia. Go to Australia. Yeah, do it really? next week. Yeah. Oh my god. But it's not exotic enough. I want some place because like I'm never gonna get fuck treated again. You know. If it, if then, it go Poland, go then go I'm to Amsterdam. Then go to Amsterdam. Oh, okay, been there. You have fifteen hundred dollars to go anywhere. I always said, like, when people say, oh, are you going to go to Burning Man again? And I'd say, no, if I have $1,500, I'm going to Australia. <laughs> like, what would you, why would you go to the desert? I, I would, but it's still, like, a Western culture and still mm. English-speaking. So as cool as it would be, like, still first time I went to the place that, like, is an experience that I could never get up again. You know? Yeah. Like, India was my first choice, but that's a, it's not going to get opened up in time. Sure. Korea's opened up. Japan might open up in time, but Korea is Go Korea. One of my buddies do, uh, did teaching. She was a teacher in Korea for three years, and she loved uh-huh. it. Loved it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd love to. I mean, I, yeah, Korean culture is dope, but I mean, also, I'm, I mean, I'm Greek, too, so I'd like to go to China, but now is probably the worst possible time. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm so excited that you have, if everything falls apart, though, you could get a first-class ticket round trip from New Mexico to San Francisco and stay oh, in my house. I'm never coming back here. But, oh, I see. So when you leave, you're leaving. I was like, you've got the yeah, money. Yeah. Go- oh. But. I'm going home, and then I'm, I mean, I'm going to San Francisco regardless. I'm driving there back there. I'm going to drop off this deck that I've been carrying with me from Chicago. Um, yeah, I mean, I would want to stay with my parents, 
but it's like I, they I just know my mom would like get pissed at me for having like Advil, so I, I maybe it's better not to. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I'd I'd like to stay. As I, I long stay as for like a week or two. If you're not allergic to cats, you're 100% welcome uh, at my <laughs> house. And you have to make sure that you're here over a Friday so that you can do the outdoor COVID comedy. Absolutely. Where that's, we, a, that's a sure thing. Yeah. That's a sure thing. They're, they're, I haven't done comedy in – They're real audiences. Last week was so good. I was so proud of the podcast. Everyone had really good sets. I had a really good set. I had, I, and I – so I, I am texting you telling me to go damn he did he had a good set uh everyone did and every week and that's the thing is in the beginning they were like why aren't you giving other people opportunities i'm like because i don't want more people to come here because i don't want to be accused of gathering and i was like don't you want the stage time like you have the opportunity to be the only ones that are allowed to be here why not take advantage of it why be all like giving at this point Fucking take it. <laughs> take, take it. it. Yeah, take people it. just want to complain now. That's how you know you're, like, in a good position, though. People complain to you. They think people... Well, we all have power to change shit. Because of existentialism, nothing has meaning. We create our own meaning yet. Nothing has meaning. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for making this an Are amazing podcast. Are we not going to listen to Dilemma? Yeah, we're going to listen to it right now. Yeah, absolutely. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna close out with that. Do you have any, do you have oh, any yeah. words to say before... We turn this song on about. Um, my name is Aaron Atkins. Follow me on social media at Comedy Bad Boy. Um, Aaron, www.aaronatkins.net. Um, well, I mean, that's. Yeah, that's it, y'all. Sweet. Keep, keep in touch with me. Edinburgh show coming this month. Wait, you think it's a dope. I think Truth or Consequences is a dope ass name for a show. I think that's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, because you were living in Truth or Consequences. <gasps> when I finished. <gasps> Right? So that's a, and it's also fits with the, the whole treatment team. I had so many. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, Pam. Yeah. This is the last thing I want to do before I leave. I got a list of dope-ass, like, ambiguous show names that I want to run by you. Because you got a poetic mind, so I'd love <laughs> to hear your uh, I'd love to hear your opinion on show names. Dope-ass show names. <laughs> uh, is, is weed legal in Scotland? <laughs> it is not. Uh. <laughs> I was at, but you can drink hella young, so I was like, kind of what I was doing. Yeah, al- alcohol uh, is the it's it's the devil. It's the it's the wor- It's the most accessible, and it's like the most damaging drug. I would say that honestly, if you could do uh, recreational heroin, it is safer than. Drinking, being like drinking excessively, but that is don't quote would me I, on would that. Would I do it? No, <laughs> I actually not. Okay, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's some names. I'm just gonna say them all in order. I want you to go mm, like loudness of mm, as to how good you think it is. If mm. it's not good, because I'm just gonna say them all. I'm just gonna say them one after another, right? Mm-hmm. So you just gotta give me a reaction on it. There's a couple of them, right? <clears throat> I bet you won't do that again. There's always something. And I didn't learn anything. How to know everything without learning anything. <laughs> That's cute. The other shoe. Somewhere else at all times. Trust the pudding, parentheses, that's where the truth is. <laughs> Trust the pudding. One of, you like that one? <laughs> I like that a lot. 
Because the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> One of my kind. Are in feathers. All flowers in time bend towards the sun. Young sober junkies. As before. Bag of air. Bubble underwater. Independence Day. So that which is yet to come. Now, some of these are just emails, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. Ashley says she wants you to be your mom. Wait, she wants, she you, wants to you to be your mom? Her mom? That's great. Yeah. Says you're great. Which one do you like the most? Crusty pudding? Yeah, that's where the proof is. Yeah, absolutely. That, that or truth or consequences? Well, I think the truth or consequences is more personal, and it's and it's the name of a city where you were, and especially if you mention something like that in it, that's interesting. I, I don't know what pudding jokes you have, or if that's no just standing. a no pudding joke. It's just, a, it's just an emo title, just an ambiguous emo title. Yeah, I mean, I like it only because I like to cook, and I, I like that I like that you turned a cliche on its head, so it's like a joke in itself. And and when you're going to in, uh, Europe, pudding is any dessert, so you can't have your pudding until you eat your meat. So can't have who doesn't want to eat their meat? Great. Right, so the vegan in me talking. But it's I think that that title works really well for Europe, just because of what pudding means to them. Okay, trust the pudding. That's where the truth is. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got a lot of and I just love ambiguous things. My favorite part of songwriting is when you move on something ambiguous as shit. Because it doesn't even have to mean anything. Because like you've seen old interviews with Bob Dylan where they just like ask him a random question like, "Hey, so you like making music, huh?" And he's like, "I don't know, man. What is music? What are rules? Who are rules? Who are you, who are you man? You don't know anything, man." I just, I just write songs, man. It's not for you. You know, just being an asshole. You don't have to answer any questions. I'm going to do that. Hell yeah. You know, um, we'll, we'll leave it at this. Uh, Bob Dylan doesn't let anybody look him in the eye anymore because he is better than everyone else. <laughs> he is better than everybody else. <laughs> You're not allowed to look him he, in the he eye. Is. He has to choose if he's going to make eye contact with you because he's such a special human being. Lauren Hill's like that, too, but she doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Bob Dylan deserves that. Lauren Hill made one record. She made Ready or Not, and she made Miseducation. That's it. Ready or Not. That's you are. Here I you can. can. You can. I'm fine. I'm fine. You can. That's all she can do. Yeah. Well, thank you. Every, every ghetto, every city is fulfilled. Wow. Here's a sentimentality for that. Here's a sentimentality in a white man's brain. That takes artistry. Well, but sentimentality isn't necessarily a good thing because that's asking for emotion that you don't reach with the words. You know? Right, but she's making me feel sentimental for a childhood that I didn't Well, then that would be nostalgia. Then you're feeling nostalgia because sentimentality isn't good. Sentimentality is like... It's when it's cloyingly sweet. When, when you're asking for an emotion that the words or the song doesn't give you. Right? Like you're... It's sentimental. It's like, oh, but it's not nostalgic or touching. It's it's reaching for an emo- emotion that it doesn't reach, and that's yeah. when it becomes sentimentality. But that doesn't sound like something that's sentimental to me. Like, I see what you're saying for sure, but that sounds like something different, because sentimentality to me is like 16 years ago. Right, but that's that's nostalgia. That's Nostalgia is when you attribute something and remember a time and it has meaning for you and it's a solid meaning whereas sentimentality is like you tried 
It's like roses are red, violets are blue. I love you. It's sentimental because it's it's asking for love, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's deliver. different than how we say sentimental in everyday life. Right. That's what confuses me. It's sentimental because a souvenir. Who wants to get nostalgic with something? Or nostalgic to you, but not to other people. Like emotional words don't reach the other people. Right. Okay. So, uh, so this now. last song we're gonna close on, um, thanks for airing that, Kim, is uh, Nelly is Dilemma Nelly. featuring Kelly Rowland. Fucking banger, dude! Oh my god, Nelly goes hard on this song. Well, you're the best. Thank you so much for making this a really fun afternoon for me. That we're getting pictures and stuff and talk about all kinds of weird shit. Shout out to everyone who's listening. Sorry to my parents. I didn't mean the thing I said about drugs. <laughs> Let's get out some Nelly. Let's get this Kelly Rowland shit going, bro. Is there, I'm not going to pat the way it's over. I sing a lot. I rap a lot. Yeah, you could. It's starting right now. Here you go. Mm. Yeah. This is where the one I know comes in. Oh, 